Hello and welcome back to the Cheesesteaks in the 700 Level Podcast. My name is Dylan Callan Crowley. He's Austin Mancini. And we got a nice little episode here for you today. Our first episode with a guest. We brought on friend of the podcast, Jovan Alfred. And we'll get into that real soon. Talking about the Eagles uh, hiring Nick Sirianni. Uh, the staff he's putting together. Uh, the departure of Deuce Staley. The upcoming draft. And uh, what the Eagles must do going into next season. Uh, Beyond that, we're going to be talking some Flyers tonight, some Sixers. Uh, really just going to go over a little bit of everything uh, as uh, there's a lot of good going on in Philly and there's a lot of bad. Uh, we'll get into that mm-hmm. later. But let's not waste any more time. We we really love this interview we did here with Jovan. So uh, let's stop Ryan's ad interview. And we're joined by Jovan Alfred of TolaSportsLive.com. Me and Jovan go back quite a while. Uh, he was the first one to give me a break on the interwebs uh, when it came to my writing. So I owe a lot of this to Jovan. Uh, but uh, Jovan, it's uh, great to have you here on the podcast. How have you been? Uh, yeah, how have you been? I'm doing I'm I'm doing good. I'm I'm glad to be on. I'm happy to be on. First time what they say on the radio, first time, long time listener. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so first definitely... guest on the pod too. Yeah, oh wow. I feel honored. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm definitely glad to be on. Definitely, you know, to join your podcast and always, you know, like see great to, you know, see Dylan out here putting in work <laughs> on, on the interwebs, writing about everything, Literally. high school sports, yeah. Georgia Tech everything yeah it's keeps you busy that's all that matters um yeah but uh let's get right into this we got a, a little bit of talk about here with the eagles obviously over the last course of the last week or so so i guess right away let's get into your thoughts what's your uh overall thoughts on the eagles uh hiring nick uh sirianni to be the ne- next head coach I was I was shocked. I'm not going to hold you. I was definitely shocked by the hiring. It came for me. It came out of left field because I didn't have him. I don't think a lot of people had 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 them on like your prototypical head coaching list. If anything, you're thinking again like the Eric Bieniemy's. You're thinking, um, you know, you're thinking of Bieniemy's. You're thinking of the Staley's. You're thinking of you know. I'm trying to think. I'm trying uh, to think about some Dable. guys. Yeah, yeah, Dable. Yeah, Dable. You know. You're thinking about those top three guys, and then all of a sudden you hear Nick Sirianni. You're like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it was all. It was. It was almost like when the Chargers hired Brand, Brandon Staley. You're like, who? <laughs> well, and and it's almost kind of like a. Uh, it's a very Jeffrey Lurie type of hire. You know, yes. it's it's the guy no one's really thinking about, and he he seems to pride himself on the Andy Reid hire a lot, mm-hmm. and it's almost like he's trying to look for that next Andy Reid. Yeah, I agree with that. Too. Yeah. The other thing with Tyrione, it, it just all happened so fast. He had that – the interview kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, and honestly, it came out mm-hmm. of nowhere for him because there's those reports that uh, he got the phone call while on vacation. So he showed up uh, at Lori's uh, place down in Florida in casual clothing and it ended up getting <laughs> the job done. So, yeah, it really, uh, really did come out of left field. Um, but do you you like the hire? Um, how, what about feelings that way? I'm 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 indifferent toward the hire. I'm just like again, like I said, he wasn't my top head coaching choice, especially when you look at 
what this team has mm-hmm. offensively. Yep. Um, even at quarterback with two quarterbacks, you have you have you know a very good running back. You have very, I think you have very good. You have solid wide receivers with room for development. That I think when you look at some of the options, you could have been like, there could have been room for where these guys could have really taken off at. And when I look at Sirianni, I'm just like, okay, like, did he make any of the play calling in Indianapolis? And was like, no, he just did game plan. So I'm like, all right, that's okay. But it's not like the guys making, you know, making the play calls because that was Frank Wright. And I think that was like a bigger issue with the Eagles. You know, you had a head coach in Peterson that was the play caller and not the offensive coordinator making those necessarily play calls. So I'm indifferent towards the hire. I, you know, I didn't see anything out of that indianapolis offense that made me go wow i mean mm-hmm. the only thing that made me go wow was like jonathan yeah. taylor but that was and like I, I think, about it i think you that's know? part of the hope is that it, he will uh be able to feed uh sanders in the backfield like the colts fed uh taylor at the end of the season that, think- that that would be the hope i will you will you will hope <laughs> Well, and what's crazy is Doug did that at the end of the year, I think in 2019, you know, you started to see Miles get these 16 carries a game and then 2020 came and he kind of just abandoned it again, like Doug does. So, I mean, it's, it's wishful thinking. Um, but like you said, we have no idea. We literally have no idea. And and you did bring up a good point. You know, he doesn't have experience uh, in co- playing co- uh, call playing. Does is that something that you know you think they needed? I know they hired um, Steichen, but you know, did you think they needed a more veteran coach to do so? I, I don't. I, I think a. I, don't, I mean, I think a veteran head coach would have helped where this team was at, especially with all the young pieces that they have. Especially if you're going with a head coach that was more offensive, and you look at all the young pieces that's on this team, it def. I thought it definitely could have benefited. I definitely could. I definitely think it could have benefited. Benefited them. You know, you hope that the group that Sirianni puts together that they can come up with something. But again, it's like a wait and see, I don't know, approach. Like, at least when, mm-hmm. you know, you look at Peterson's staff when he first came in, you're like, okay, yeah. you know, Frank Wright, we saw what he could yeah, do. Yeah, like they at least gave him options. Right. This, you're just like, again, you're almost like, who, who, who? Like, what did you do yeah. at the previous spot? You know, where, where, where is like the core fundamentals of what you're going to be doing? Yeah, I, I understand. If it, it feels like they're building an entire staff off potential alone. And that means it's either mm-hmm. going to be, I mean, there's obviously middle ground, but you would think it's either going to be a fantastic way to go, or it's going to turn into a complete disaster. And I think to an extent it, it kind of, it puts the pressure more on Howie at that point then, you know, because one Jeffrey, you know, Jeffrey and Howie made this higher, not, you know, it wasn't Doug hiring Sirianni and then Sirianni takes over. It was, it was those two who brought him in. So if this is a failure, well, you got to look at the top of, you know, of who decided this was the option. So I think, you know, a lot of people who are upset with Howie, this, this could be a make or break with Howie Roseman. I, I agree with that. Uh, and talk about coaching, the coaching staff, the one coach that's not returning here, uh, this season is uh, Deuce Staley, who we learned today is going to uh, Detroit Lions to be their running backs coach and assistant head coach, the same 
titles he had here in Philadelphia. Obviously, losing Deuce is a non-ideal scenario, scenario to say the least. Uh, but how much do you think the Eagles are going to miss him going forward? Do you think it's going to maybe be more impactful, him not being there in the locker room than on the field? Or what are your overall thoughts on losing Deuce? Um, it's, it's, it's a bittersweet feeling to see Deuce move on, but you understand why he did, you know, this was Mm -hmm. a guy who'd been with the organization for years, you know, going back to when he was a player and, you know, him rising up in the coaching ranks. I mean, if we seen him, you know, not only we seen him, you know, if you've been on the pro day circuit, him, you know, doing running back drills, doing pro days and things of that nature, really putting in the work, the running back room, you know, regardless of people's gripes, you know, with, the Eagles running back rotation or whatever, yeah. you know, over these last couple of years, you can't, you can't not knock what he's done with the various running backs that yeah. came through, you know, this organization since he's been the running back coach and, you know, to see them, you know, give and basically give this statement, you know, when Peterson got fired that, you know, we're going to take, you know, Staley and basically saying we're going to take into consideration, whatever, whatever. And then you see, you know, current players and former players, you know, really vouching for him to get the head coaching job and then to see him not get it, it was just kind of just mm-hmm. a major, it was just a major bummer. And then you read the report saying, you know, Staley was offered the offensive coordinator job in 2018, but he turned it down because he wouldn't call plays and who wouldn't like, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You're doing the same thing. It's just, <laughs> you just get the position. Get the position yeah, exactly. Change. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, to me, it it almost felt like and this and this was kind of the feeling too back in 2016 for me or even um you know when they fired or when Frank Reich left is i don't know if Deuce was ever going to get the fair shot here anyway mm-hmm. you know whether it's because of the connections with other coaches or you know like you said he that that title wouldn't have given him play calling so it's to me it's it's a step forward for Deuce I know it's not necessarily you know he's doing the same exact thing as he was here but he's at least creating more connections and he I mean god forbid Dan Campbell falls on his face and Deuce exactly. is right there to pick it up exactly and that's the key and 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 you look at, like you said, it's not really a position, you know, a change in titles, just a lateral movement. But now he goes somewhere where now he's going to be able to prove himself. Yep. And there's, you got, and you also look at who the Lions coordinators are. You got a guy in Anthony Lynn who was a head coach, and there's no reason why he might not be a head coach next season. And mm-hmm. then you look at their defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn, who a lot of people are very high on. So if, you know, if Lane gets a new head coaching job, you know, next next season, when because we always know the coaching carousel always goes around. So... Mm-hmm. You'll see, you'll probably see them two names mentioned again and say, say if Anthony Lynn does move on, then that leaves a track for Deuce Staley to then elevate to the offensive coordinator. I 100% agree. And like, like Austin said, so the move I think is definitely best for both parties. I think the Eagles, for the most part, having a an almost entirely new staff definitely helps. Um, I know they kept Stalin, which is I, I think huge, obviously, but uh, for Deuce, mm-hmm. he gets to go out build more connections. Uh, for because if he does go on to be a head coach in the near future, he's gonna need those to build a staff, and I, I think it's gonna be good for both parties. And I'm excited to see what he does with uh, DeAndre Swift out there in Detroit. Yeah, he 
Swift is very shifty. I know he was a little he was a little banged up um, this past year, so it'll it'll be interesting because he's kind of to me like a smaller Miles or like between Miles and Darren Sproles, and I mean Deuce knows exactly how to you know coach them. McCoy always like you said, former players have raved about him. So if anyone's going to get Swift to be probably as top potential as he possibly can, it's gonna be yeah. Deuce. Um. The the one the other big story I was like Philadelphia for the Eagles right now is uh, the entire Carson Wentz saga, which uh, I mean I can't even follow this anymore. I think there was a new report that came out today about <laughs> future. Yesterday on Sunday it was that Carson hasn't requested a trade, and then uh, I, I saw something today, but I forget it. Um, but according to reports, Carson and Doug had a fractured relationship, and. It, it seemed like that probably wasn't going to get solved. How do you think this affects Carson's future with the team? Do you think – I personally think it probably solidifies him at least being here through uh, next season. But how do you think this affects Carson? I think, like you said, I think with the way that the process has gone and the way the coaching process has gone, I think it solidifies him to be here for one more year. Now, if he falls flat on his face again <laughs> next season, then – you know what you 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 know what you have to do. Um, the whole, like you said, the whole saga has just been outstandingly weird. <laughs> um, you, like you said, there, there's there's a new report every day. There's a new report every week about what he says, what this what his camp is saying, what they're not saying. It is funny you bring up Sunday's report because I remember watching that clip and Garofalo, you know, says he says, you know, Wentz is not requested to wait. Then you look on the other side of the screen, and Ian Rappaport has this look on his face, like. <laughs> what like he looks confused like huh like like are you kidding me so you see that and then you have you know eagles fans coming at Schefter, you Mm -hmm. know saying that he was basically making assumptions then mortensen comes out and basically say so it was like come on y'all the tea leaves are starting to are starting to equal up here and it just doesn't look good when you know we don't hear from Wentz, and people, you know, people might. I had a personal issue with him not speaking at the end of the press conference, and he released this statement. All right, cool. But one way to if if if, if you want to be here and you want to dispel the rumors, you can go about this in yeah. an easy way. Just put out a tweet, or you know, put out something on IG. You can pull out your notes app and just you know say what you want to say, and you know, and, and keep it pushing that way. But when you don't do that, it leaves a lot of questions to what you know, to what's his future here and, 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 you know, how that will affect the team going forward, because you would like to know who's going to be your start, your starting quarterback. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and that was probably my biggest thing too, was he easily at any point, whether now or beforehand could have shut it all down. You know, yes, me and Doug have had some disagreements. However, you know, I, you know, blah, 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 whatever he wants to say, but he hasn't, they've, they've just let this run. And, and I mean, he's never really said anything during his press conferences ever. You know, it's, I gotta be better. I gotta be better. So it doesn't shock me, but it's one of those things. It's kind of like grow up, you know, you're, you're getting paid a hundred and some million dollars and you're, yeah, you're the face of the franchise, and you're making literally this entire thing look like, you know, like a kid throwing a temper well, that, tantrum. Really, the, the entire organization. I mean, 
the whole Peterson saga was a bad look at the end too. Like, cause I don't understand how that, when you consider everybody who's probably in that Peterson meeting, uh, right before he got fired, that, uh, everybody who could have been in there. And then within uh, probably an hour of that meeting being over, it was already leaked about who Doug wanted to elevate to offensive coordinator and all that. And, like, mm-hmm. There, there's only so many people who were in that meeting who could tell people what the deal was. Like, <laughs> it just is such a bad look. And Dylan, you're gonna tell me ESP wasn't like hiding behind like a potted plant or something, like ready to report it? He, may, I mean, he may have. I mean, it's it was such a bad look, and um, I mean, it, it seemed like they weren't gonna give any head coach. Uh, the power to make his own hires here. But I mean, it seems like Sirianni right now is at least bringing on most people that he wants to bring though. Who knows? It, I, I know some people think Sirianni is kind of like a puppet here, but we'll see. Um, but going on in the future here, two last questions. First one, Eagles are entering the draft right now with the number six pick. They could always move up, could always move down. Mm-hmm. If one of Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith is on the board when the Eagles pick. Is there any avenue in which you see the Eagles going in other directions, a la a Micah Parsons, Patrick Sertain? Uh, and then I think the ultimate wild card for me is if somehow Penny Sewell fell to six, which I don't think he will. But if he did, I that would be giving me a lot of things to ponder. Yeah, I mean, when you look at where they're at number six, this is not like the Lane Johnson year where they were at four, and it's like, all right, like Lane Johnson is like going away the number four overall pick. We don't got to worry. Everything's fine. You know, they can't mess this up. This is a situation where it's like they can't mess up because they have a litany of prospects that they need and that they could use. I mean, like you said, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, two of the best wide receivers in this year's draft class. Now, one of them likely will be gone by the Dolphins if the Dolphins do the right thing and get their quarterback some more weapons. You know, one of them will be off the board. Micah Parsons, you know, Penn State guy, but when has the last time the Eagles taken a linebacker in the first round? I mean, it'll be nice. Don't get me wrong. It'll be nice to see him and not Nate Gary on the field, but, (laughs) but, you know, he would, he would help. Patrick Sertan, I'm a real big Patrick Sertan guy. Um, I think cornerback, as we know, has been an issue for this team yep. for years. They still haven't recovered from, like, the Lido Sheldon, you know, Dawkins, Michael Lewis era of having a, just a tight-knit secondary. And if you add a guy like Sertan opposite of Darius Slay, that just, I mean, be- that makes your secondary much, much better. Yep. So I mean, it's 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 a good. I would say they're in a they're in a good position. You know what I'm saying? Because they 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 could easily they can easily stay at six. Or if there's a team that maybe feel like okay, well the Kings have both take quarterbacks. They didn't take quarterbacks, and now Justin Fields is sliding. So maybe we can trade up with the Eagles to possibly get up to six. And if that happens, you probably still could get you know your Parsons. Maybe you get a Sertan who might still be there. Jalen Waddle, who a lot of people aren't talking about either, he could still be there. So when they're in a, they're, they're actually in a good position where they can't mess yeah. it up unless they take somebody like, uh, <laughs> unless they take like Xavier Collins, like at yeah. number six, oh. and you know, but but he's good, but not. Yeah, six as good. I told my uh, girlfriend, I mean, unf- uh, 
as I told my girlfriend's dad, like with I, I don't trust Howie right now with anything after this number six pick. But at number six, like as long as he takes somebody within those top eight prospects in the draft, I, I really mm-hmm. am not gonna complain about who we take. I mean if if we end up with like Zach Wilson somehow, I'm gonna have I'm gonna be questioning a lot go- what's going on, uh especially if they don't trade Carson, but uh Really, they take anybody in that top eight. I'm not going to complain about it. Yeah, I was going to say, if anyone's going to find a way to mess it up, though, it is Howie. Unfortunately, you know, that's the world we're living in. I mean, look at, look at, he, we, there's video of us getting laughed at by the Vikings because we didn't take Jefferson. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if he were if and I Dylan and I have spoken about this a little before, you know, uh, if if it's a certain Parsons, Chase or Smith, I'm fine with it. I just I I agree with you, um, you know, because Jovan, because I mean, as much as I would love to see us have a like guy like uh, Parsons, how he just refuses to do it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So it it's frustrating, but I mean that's that's just how you know how he drafts, and I don't see any way around. All it. right, to wrap this up, um, Jovan, if the Eagles are going to have let's just say a winning record in twenty twenty one, because I don't want to get anywhere. Because <laughs> I don't. Know <laughs> uh, what must they do to get a winning record in twenty 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 one? That's a that's a great that's a great question. And going back to what Austin said, yeah, Howie, you know, you don't trust them, but surprisingly, the Eagles do well in day two and day three. They just can't that, hit that one more than often. So. <laughs> so that's a weird weird conundrum. But when you look at next season, what they must do, I mean, it's just the simple things, man. Like run the yeah. ball more. We've seen teams this year that made the playoffs. What did they do? They ran the ball. Cleveland Browns, they ran the ball. Tennessee Titans, they ran the ball. Um, we saw the Rams do that more with Cam Akers. They ran the ball. When you run the ball, I mean, the Colts ran the ball. When you run the ball, it makes the offense easier. It makes the game simpler. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it brings that balance that you need, you know. Um, so definitely run the ball more, especially if you got a guy like Miles Sanders, who he's dynamic. You got to get him involved in the game. Um, Car- if Carson Wentz is a starter, less turnovers. Yeah. <laughs> he can't throw the ball between two to two defenders and think that, is going to be caught, or you can't be making inexplicable passes that are getting, you know, jumped on by the linebacker in the flat when you're passing the ball to Miles Sanders. So, eliminate turnovers. And then defensively, I would say your front four played well last year, which is really good and bodes well into this season, next season, because you're pretty much, I'm going to think, bring back the same guys. It's just going to be, can you get turnovers? That was the thing, right? That this team Mm -hmm. wasn't getting turnovers. But then, as we got towards the end of the season, where games started to really count, they started getting interceptions, they started getting turnovers. That's the thing. Like, it doesn't matter how good your run defense is or even your pass defense. You got to be able to create turnovers. So they run the ball more, eliminate mistakes on offense, and start creating turnovers and mistakes on defense. Then I, I then I think, then I think they'll, I think they'll be okay to have a winning record. Now, do they get in the playoffs? I mean, I mean, shoot, they can. I mean, if they if they play as if they play as half de- decent as the Bears did towards the end of the season. 
then I mean anything can happen. Well, and in this division, anything can happen. Exactly. Yeah, that, that too. You you look at the NFC East and you're just like, who's the only team that scares you? Maybe Dallas, but that's if they resign Dak. Everybody else should just like, you don't know. Yeah, Washington sneakily, if they like somehow like got a guy like Watson or something, then they start getting scary. But I mean, when you have Alex Smith and and Taylor Heineke. Like, come on. Like, this team easily is set up probably for the most success, and it's just not going to happen, I feel like. Probably probably a fair assessment. But, uh, I, I, yeah, I think that wraps it up. Uh, so thank you, Jovan, for coming on the podcast and talking some Eagles football with us. We'll have to have you back on soon. Uh, where, where can uh, great listeners of the podcast find you? Oh, yeah. Thanks again for having me on, fellas. I really appreciate it. Uh, people can follow me on Twitter at Jovan10. They can check out Total Sports Live. I'm at Total Sports Live on Twitter. And they can check out TotalSportsLive.com. Got a uh, Eagles mock draft up there. The first one of probably many that we will debate back and forth who's going to be number six and <laughs> who's not. So that's all right there on Total Sports Live. That and everything else revolving around. Uh, Philadelphia sports. All right. Well, thanks again. We'll definitely share that uh, mock draft on uh, Twitter and Facebook. But uh, yeah, thanks again. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you. And once again, we thank Jovan for coming on the podcast. Really loved talking in there for a little bit about the Eagles. And I hope you guys enjoyed that uh, nice little interview as well. Uh, be sure to check him out on Twitter and uh, at uh, totalsportslive.com as well. Uh, just a fantastic guy. Uh, and like I said, I owe a lot to him. Uh, but let's get into the 76ers now for a little bit here, Austin. Uh, 76ers are riding a three-game winning streak here. Uh, as we record, it is halftime of their game tonight against Detroit. They're currently down 64-50. to Joel Embiid not playing tonight. Uh, that being said, like I said, Eagles, <laughs> Eagles, Sixers are in the middle of a three-game winning streak for now. Uh, they... Uh, came off a sweep of the Celtics this past weekend, one seventeen to one hundred nine, then one twenty two to one ten, before beating the Pistons on a, I guess it was Saturday night there, one fourteen to one ten. Joe Embiid playing some of the best basketball of his career, perhaps the best basketball of his career, I should say. Um, potential MVP front runner right now. He's averaging 27 points per game, 27.7 points per game, 11.5 rebounds per game, 2.7 assists. He has the second best performance rate in the league at 31. Uh, he's just playing. When Joel Embiid is on his game, Austin, there's simply no other player who is as fun to watch in Philadelphia um, sports, in my opinion. Any, th- any thoughts on Joel? Yeah. Slightly? I mean, this is this is where we've kind of been hoping he would be at. You know, when we had that run with Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris, he wasn't at this level yet. And it's amazing to see him get to that point. And the scary part is, is he's doing this all without Ben really being Ben in the last five games. You know, you just mentioned they're, they're on a three-game win streak right now. I mean, Ben last game had his most points um, all season. He had 20 the game before he had 15, 11, 11. So, 
I mean, Joel's really put the team on his back, and and I think a lot of people were wondering, you know, when the if the team needed someone, who was going to do it? And I think people were a little concerned about if a center could do that. And I mean, Joel is just proving he's more than capable of doing so. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, over his last five games, he's averaging thirty three and a half points, and it's only that low because against Miami. On the uh, 14th, he only had nine points in 24 minutes. But in the other four games, he has 45 points against Miami, 42 points against Boston, 38 points against Boston, and 33 points against Detroit. He's playing out of his mind right now, and it's, it is such a joy to watch. Uh, that being said, uh, and perhaps another guy who's coming out, uh, out of a little funk perhaps in – Ben Simmons, uh, I think you mentioned there briefly. Uh, until maybe, uh, what, two games or so ago, he was kind of frustrating for uh, Sixers fans, to say the least. But over the last two games, he has uh, 15 and 20 points. Uh, I'm not sure what he's posted so far tonight, but it looks like he may be coming out of a little bit of a funk here to start the season. Yeah, um, at halftime here, he's played seven minutes. I know he's in um, some foul trouble. He has four points, but um, yeah, the last two games, you had 20 and 15. I think in the one game, he had 15 points in the fourth quarter. You know, he kind of had a takeover kind of thing going on. And that's, it's just weird to not see an aggressive bend. Like it's, it's like he decides when he wants to be aggressive and, when he doesn't, and you would think he would want to be aggressive Ben most of the time. And, I mean, this year, you know, he had a span of 12, 17, 11, 5, 10, 11, 11. You know, that's not – you know, we were we were just talking about do you trade him for James Harden when that, all that was happening, and you were saying no. And then all of a sudden Ben Simmons immediately after the, that trade goes on this just dud. Yeah. yeah, and it started to make people question everything. What they're thinking? Yeah, everything. Yeah, and I mean the one the one thing I'll say about Ben this year is even though his offense hasn't been there, he is playing really good defense. The best defense he's played statistically, I believe, since his uh, for his rookie season. Uh, so I mean. The de- but the defense has never been the problem. His defense is always going to be there. Just a better matter at this point, can he become a consistent enough offensive threat that the Sixers are have multiple options when it comes to the playoff games? Yeah, and and that that question's still unanswered. Yes. It's still unanswered, and I think that's the most frustrating thing because, and and I'm not even talking about the jump shot. You know whether he's not sh- shooting it or not. Ben can drive to the basket and get a bucket very easily. And you're not seeing it consistently, whether about like almost a want to do right. it. I agree. You know, I think there was that, what, there was that one, I think, mini gif or video where he started to drive into the paint from a couple games ago and he got to the free throw line. They collapsed and he immediately like panicked and kicked it yeah. out. Yeah. I mean, it, it, he definitely needs to find, I, he doesn't even need to find a killer instinct. He just needs to find, 
confidence in being able to drive to the basket on a consistent basis and get layups. Like if he, that's yeah, that's what I mean is by aggressive yeah. is attack the basket. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the talking about people in a little bit of funk. Uh, Maxi has I don't want to say disappeared, but he's definitely been struggling over his last few games here. Uh, entering tonight's game, he had four points in his last three games. Yeah, and I mean tonight he has seven. I think part of it's because they're trying to figure out best way, you know, to get points because Joel's out. But I mean, I I kind of expect it. It's it's a rookie kind of struggle. It's something we said was going to happen. He was there was going to be a point where he was yeah. going to hit a little bit of a wall, and it, it was about how can he bounce back after he hits uh, that wall per se. But I mean, at the end of the day, the Sixers team is. When their starting five is on the floor, they're what nine and zero. Yeah, something like that. Nine and zero or nine and one. It's yeah, it's remarkable. And yeah, I mean, when they're all playing, this team is very dangerous. One of the best in in the NBA. They're off to one of the best starts in the league. They're leading the entire Eastern Conference at with a twelve and five record. They're entering tonight. We're a game and a half up on the Bucks. Uh, I mean, I do you think this is a team that could get that number one seed? I think, and I think you and I have kind of talked about it. I think they're maybe a piece or so away. I mean, like if you could upgrade Danny Green, you know, like the the perimeter wing, if you could upgrade that a little bit, I think you'd be more confident. But like you said, I think the biggest issue is Ben Ben's inconsistency to attack the rim and the reliance on Joel. I mean, you can't rely on that every single night, not because he can't do it, but because he's going to get exhausted and teams are going to catch on and they're going to force Ben to do it. Agreed. The the one thing that's going in their favor though right now is you look across the rest of the Eastern Conference. I mean the Bucks, uh, they they have been fantastic this year. They're ten and six, uh, but I mean the problem with the Bucks is outside of Giannis, there's nobody on that team that scares you. Maybe Chris Middleton. Maybe when he's having one of his better. That's games. what I mean. Is yeah. maybe yeah. I mean the Celtics, they just don't. They just dominated the Celtics back-to-back games. I mean, mm-hmm. here's the other thing. Right now, nobody can guard and beat. No. And that's what I mean. That's not going to work the entire no, time, no. you know? Like, soon teams – like, eventually teams are going to figure it out, whether it's at the postseason or, you know, sure, sooner sure. than Sure, sure. And, and they will. But even at that point, it's not a matter of stopping him. It's just um, instead of dropping 30 points per game, He's only going to be dropping 23 or 24. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But then, I mean, the Pacers, uh, they're always a team that give, have given the Sixers troubles for whatever reason. But I'm obviously the big one in the Eastern Conference right now is the Nets. But if anything has been shown over the last, couple, last two weeks or so at Harden is that team just has no defensive abilities. 
They're they're averaging a league high 120 points, but they're also allowing 116 points per game. Yeah, and that was the biggest concern, you know, was are you gonna will are you willing to sacrifice defense for offense? Um, when we were thinking about trading for Ben, and I mean, I was on the side of no, I I wasn't, and. I mean, they are, they still, what, they've pl- only played a couple games together, Five so games. there is still some gelling that, that, that needs to, Five. how many? Five, yeah, so, I mean, I, I'll give them a couple more games to kind of gel, but, I mean, it's, it's more of, it's kind of like the Golden State kind of thing, you know, is just, we're going to just try to outscore you instead of lock you down, and, and the Sixers are the, typically the other way around. Yeah. Uh, the only, I, I think the Nets are going to be dangerous, but the only bad thing for the Nets is uh, when your defense is that bad. I mean, they've in their last five games they've given up 124, 125, 147, 123, and 115. I mean, if you if they if they have any off night shooting wise, there there is no way they're going to win game win a game like that. Right. Uh, I know I did see them in trade talks to acquire like Kevin Love and somebody else, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, Overall though, win or lose tonight, I'm feeling good about the Sixers going forward over the course of the next uh, couple weeks. Yeah. They haven't really shown you anything that um, has really made you the one, I guess the one concerning thing was they went on that streak. Remember everyone was like once they haven't played a good team, which isn't wrong. And they lost. They did lose to Brooklyn without KD, James Harden, or Kyrie. They lost to Denver and they lost to Atlanta. So that that's kind of concerning. But I mean, the role they're kind of on. And I know this is kind of I'm assuming like a rest day for Joel. Yeah, I, um, I was just gonna say I'm sure. Quote unquote. Yeah, load management. Is, yeah. I mean, the Lakers are coming to um, town on Wednesday. Right. So I mean. That's going to be a good test yeah, that, for them, you know, to see where that, they are. And then February 6th against Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Go to again. So, I mean, yeah, the future, I think, you know, they they haven't shown anything that has made me think they can't compete with those teams. But it'll, I think it'll tell, especially Daryl Morey, um, if there's something they need this season, you know, what is it going to be? And, we're going to find out with the Lakers in Brooklyn coming up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with that, we can move on to the Philadelphia Flyers, who are maybe the most, well, without a doubt, are the most frustrating team right now uh, in Philadelphia. And maybe in, in all of hockey, because they're sitting 3-2-1 and one in the standings, seven points in the middle of the East Division. But... um. I mean, they've been pretty bad over the last uh, four games here. Yeah, and I know the biggest spotlight is on Carter Hart. Um, they lost 5-4 in the shootout to the Bruins. Carter Hart, 39-43. And they lost 6-1 to the Bruins again. Um, Carter Hart had 20 of 26 saves. A lot of people are focusing on him and his struggles. And, I mean, just the team, like you said, this team's a very frustrating team. I know in the 6-1 loss, yes, Carter Hart did look bad. But 
the one thing you could point to as well is they've had a lot of turnovers in their own zone. Yeah, I mean, they're I forget what side it was, uh, but there was a, a tweet I saw that uh, through the first six games, the six the Sixers, the Flyers are playing worse hockey than last year's Red Wings team. And and you know it's bad when um, I believe Ghost might be playing for Gustafson, who's just signed this offseason. Like I said, you know, the defense hasn't been exactly playing well. Um, Carter Hart has struggled. I'm not going to shy away from that. You know, there, he's made some spectacular saves, and there are just times where he's let them in where they shouldn't. But as a whole, this team is struggling, and that's what I want to focus on is that. Yeah. It, like, does it concern Does it concern you about where Carter Hart is, uh, what, six games in? I mean, in? I'm, a, I'm a little concerned about some of the – goals he's let in he's definitely had some goals where you look and uh they were easily stoppable but overall no i i mean this is where we see how what type of goal he is is he a head case that's gonna get destroy himself from the inside out or is he gonna be able to refocus and get out of this slump like is he playing good hockey no but this entire team is not playing good hockey the defense is allowing like 40 shots per game. The offense can't get the puck out of their own – well, sorry, when they're uh, pushing on offense, they can't get the puck out of their zone. They they can't enter the opposing team's zone at all. And they, they just struggle to get shots on that. I mean, uh, Carter, no, has not played good hockey at all. No, hasn't played great hockey. Any type of good hockey. But – I mean, when the Flyers are getting outchanced two to one, three to one every game, they're set up for failure anyway. I mean, they're three, two, and one. I know it's only six games in. I think they're going to be able to find a way to get out of this slump here. But it's something they have to turn around sooner than later. It is only a 56 game season. And that's what I was about to say is, you know, that's probably everyone's biggest concern is. Because, yes, like he hasn't had preseason. None of the goalies have had preseason. And I think if you look around the NHL as a whole, goaltending hasn't been great. Why? Because they didn't have any games to get ready for. So I think that's one of the biggest issues I think people have is, look, we don't have margin for error. But, I, you know, you did say this last time, too. This, this team... I know a lot of people have lofty expectations. This team's not there yet for the Stanley Cup. No. It, they're I, just not I mean, ready what yet. did people – like, here's the thing. I don't know what Flyers fans expected as a whole coming this season. If you look at this team, it was mostly the same team that looked like absolute crap against Montreal and the Honors in the playoffs. They lost their best defenseman. They replaced him with a defenseman who had high – Whoa, best defense. It's obviously that it's obvious at this point that Niskanen was the glue that held that defense together. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to say he he's better than Provi though. He was more That's the problem. Provy. But go on, but um, go on. They lost Niskanen. They replaced him with Gustafsson, and I mean, 
I, I again, I don't know what people expect out of Gustafson because the whole story on him coming into this season was that offensively, yeah, he could get you 50 points if he's on his game, but defensively, he's an incredible liability. Um, and then as a team as a whole, yeah, it's the same team. I mean, the team looked slow last year. They didn't go out and add speed to the lineup at all. Yeah, in fact, they did, speaking of adding and subtracting, they did miss out on the Patrick Line trade. Um, I mean, he's one of those guys where would it have been nice to have that goal scoring? I know we had spoke about, you know, it's kind of a pipe dream, you know, to have a guy like that. But, I mean, looking at this team, they didn't, they wouldn't have needed a guy like that because offense to me isn't the biggest issue. They're scoring goals when they get opportunities. It's more that they need another defenseman. Like you were saying that we, we miss Niskanen yeah, there's, or a veteran defender as a whole. There's six in the league right now. Goals scored. They, uh, I mean, they had that one bummer against Buffalo where they only scored one. And uh, the bummer just uh, was that on sa- Saturday where they lost six one of the Bruins. Yeah. So outside those two games, they scored six, five, three, and four, which you'll take most nights. Most nights, six, five, three, and four goals should win you games. But when you get outchanced every game, and your goalie isn't on the top of his game, then yeah, it's going to cause trouble. Last year, the Flyers' mistakes as a whole, when it came defensively, were masked by having a strong top pairing in Niskanen and Provorov and having Carter Hart play out of his mind. Yeah. And and you made a good point. I mean, look at look at the playoffs. He did he played like you said, out of his mind against Montreal. He out all it was was he outdueled um Carey yeah. Price. And like you said, they're they're sixth in scoring right now in the NHL. They are averaging 23 shots a game this year. That is very yeah, that, low. That, that needs to be 30 to 40, 30, sorry, 30 to 35 at least. Yeah, and 2019, last year, they were averaging 31. So you're you're averaging almost, almost 10 less shots a game. And that's going to make a difference. You know, that, that means you're playing more on defense you're not in the offensive zone. Like if you're even in the offensive zone for a little longer, instead of Carter Hart facing 35 to 40 shots, he's he's facing 25 to 30. Yep. And and that's a way more manageable um thing to you know get behind. The, the other thing I think that they're missing, maybe not as much offense. Well, he is a big part offensively as well as uh the, the true MVP of this team for the last three or four years has been Sean Couturier. Because when he's not on that oh team, when he's not on the ice, they, the forwards defensively are trash. And, I mean, mm-hmm. he, he, he's he been great offensively the last few seasons. I'm, I don't want to say he's an elite offensive player, but he definitely has his qual- good moments offensively as well. I mean, there's a reason he won yeah, a exactly. Selkie he's last year. You know, he he easily was the yeah. He's and he's been up and for the running for it for the last how many is just finally he got it. And like you say, you made a really good point. It, like 
having the best two way forward out for a week and a half is going to hurt yeah. you because even even if you put a guy in like Morgan Frost who now is hurt hurt as well i mean he's not the two way forward that um that Couturier is and he's not even close you know he's more of just an offensive scorer so you you can't replace a guy like that and then what that's going to do is it's going to expose your struggles even more defensively yeah. especially when a guy like Gustafson is struggling like he is or uh, Robert Hag is struggling like he is. Yeah, and, and the other thing is, like, I mean, you look at the Flyers roster, and it's amazing. They're, they're a rather young team, but they're also really slow still. I mean, but that's the problem when half your lineup is guys like JVR, Voracek, Giroux, Raffle. I mean, oh, by yeah. the way, it's amazing how Twitter, Twitter – has turned on Michael Raffle real fast. I mean, coming to this season, I've I've been saying that I lo- I like Raffle as a player. I love him, but like I don't know if he's worth keeping around. And it's only taken two weeks for people to turn on him. Uh, but I mean, the the problem is is it all the young guys is just potential at this point. And I mean. Mm-hmm. Oscar, we we don't know what type of player Oscar is anymore. Like, we, no, he. I mean, he to an extent he has looked yeah. like he, I think he's looked actually he pretty has. good. But like you said, it, I mean, it's it's you can't say he's the eleven goals in the first month and a half or so. Yeah, I mean that he was. Farabee, I think, will come around, uh, but he's still a guy who struggles with consistency. I mean, how. Travis Konechny struggles with consistency still. Travis yeah. can go off and score five goals over the first six games like he has, but he could also go goalless for 20 games. And Yeah, and I think it's I, – I do think it's a good um, thing, though. I mean, if you look, the Flyers veterans have been actually stepping up. I know – in the 5-4 overtime or the shootout loss, I mean, Voracek had three assists. Hayes had two assists. JVR had two goals. So at least because those, you know, the younger guys aren't, you know, making those strides just yet, it, it is encouraging, especially because Voracek arguably, arguably has looked the best he's looked since what? He was given that contract? Uh, it's one of his better stretches. Yeah, like I don't, because I personally like I don't remember that watching that game. I was looking, going, "Holy crap!" Like every pass he had was tape to tape, you know. Like in overtime to Kevin Hayes, that was a beautiful. Yeah, pass. and and don't get me wrong, they've been playing this year well this year. But when it comes to the, and I, I went a little off topic with the whole point of my thing there. But when when people complain about the Flyers being slow, I mean, it comes back to. Kevin Hayes, Voracek, Van Dreams, like Giroux are all. I mean, I know Hayes is only twenty eight, but older. that's older. Couturier yeah. is twenty eight. That's older, and Couture, c- c- all these injuries are going to start adding up on Coots. Yeah, I mean Scott Lawton. Whether whether they are minimal, like whether they're like freak things or what, either way, they they do yeah, add up. Scott Lawton, not exactly a fast cat out there. 
So, so I mean, your fastest guys right now out of the forward group is TK, TK which yeah, TK is a very good player, one of the top 40, 50 players in the league. Yeah. Farabee, Farabee, who good speed, a lot of potential, but hasn't put it all together yet. Abe Kubel, who is a nice role player, but not going to be a a franchise player by any means. And then Connor Bunneman, who... Uh, I was going to say, and Frost isn't even yeah. playing because he's hurt. Yeah, and yeah, Bunneman and Frost. And Frost, and our guy like Farabee. Ton of potential, but still has to put it together. And um, I... I mean, the hit he took to separate his shoulder wasn't that hard of a hit, in my opinion, no. which makes me concerned about his size. And, I mean, maybe there's not a direct correlation there, but um, the, I, there's a lot of potential out of the young guys, but you you can't have all this potential but in their first or second full years and expect them to all – be clicking at the same time. I mean, if they do, that this team is going to be hard to stop. But the chances of them all gonna all clicking at the same time is just incredibly low. Yeah, and and that's why you and I kind of harped on tampering our expectations with this year, because I mean, this team, like you said, we didn't make any big moves. We didn't, you know, it was kind of just banking on, like you said, the potential and the growth of these young kids. And I think Chuck Fletcher kind of knew this year was going to be kind of a weird year. And that's why he didn't push all in with the chips, you know? So I, I get it, but I mean, this team's going to be frustrating. And as like, you just have to preach at this point, just patience. I know because the Flyers were probably the best last year they've looked since 2012 or whatever doesn't mean that they're already a cup they're a cup team because they're not they're not there yet exactly and here's the other thing the only thing that matters at the end of the day is if they get into the playoffs I mean if, if they don't make the playoffs here we can bitch and complain at the end of the season about how they didn't make the playoffs but until they're eliminated from playoff contention I mean, I, I'm not going to be super worried with this team because once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. Yeah, and this could be – I mean, you look at hockey. Hockey is one of those l- leagues where, like, teams go on the weirdest hot and cold streaks. You know, like what the – I think the Flyers went on that point streak. Remember they won 10 games in a row and didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Like it it's going it it can happen. I know we were like we were the first team to do that or whatever, but I mean it's just because they're not playing good well now doesn't mean they won't in the future. So exactly. I I think we we need to take a nice deep breath. I know there was a lot of excitement last year, but I, this team, this team's, I think, average age is like twenty-four. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it, like, it's been bad. It like there's no doubt it's been bad, especially five on five. But yeah, six games is ten percent a season. But 
at the end of the day, there's still 50%, 50 games left this year. Plenty of time for these guys to turn around. They got New Jersey coming up. I know New Jersey isn't going to be a pushover, but. No Nico, by the no way. No Nico. Well, that, that's big. That's big. No Nico. And, and yeah, they haven't looked good, but they're what, 3 1 and 1? 3 2 and 1. 3 2 and 1. Okay, so that means they've gotten points in four of six yeah. games. I mean, they're, they're, they're right in the middle of. Especially in a 56 season, you take that. They're right in the middle of the standings right now in the East. They're only two points behind the Caps, who have uh, six games played. Penguins have eight, game, uh, eight points in six games played. I mean, it's all going to turn around. And here's the other thing. This team has sucked on the road for God knows how long at this point. Now that's concerning because they have two against the Devils on the road. But get this team at home, even fans or no fans, and they'll be—I'm sure they'll play at a much better rate. It is. Can you worry? Yes, but it is too late to hit the sirens. So, what what is your panic meter then? Just, I guess, as as a rapid, what what is your panic meter? Are we are we talking about game? Like how many games in the season would I start worrying? Um, do both out of 10, where are you at? And when would you hit the panic button? Like, okay. Yeah, so correct. right now on the panic meter, I am a solid, on a scale of one to 10, I would say a, maybe a, a three. And that's where I was. I am. I'm a three or four. I'm, it's like you watch it. It's concerning, but like five, you're for, you're not freaking for out. For me, a five would be like, uh, yeah. There's some serious problems here. I don't know if they're going to be able to fix it in time to make a run. Currently, I'm in a spot where I'm seeing or feeling there is plenty of concerns here, valid concerns. That being said, based off what we saw out of this team last year and what the team has skill-wise, I think they can snap out of this before it gets too late. Now, where... Yeah, I, I don't... I don't see I don't see why they couldn't, you know, and, and I, like, I'm, I'm on the same thing as you. As I, I just... People like to overreact, and I think that's where we're at of right course. now. Of course, Philadelphia Twitter... Especially with... Yeah, well, and I th- and I think too part of it is you know Ben Simmons is struggling, so they're hoping the Sixers or the Flyers can you know kind of call take them off the edge. And uh, what's that? Oh, Carter Hart struggling, you know. And so they're and Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson. I think because of everything that's happening, I think it's just heightened to a max. But go ahead. When would you hit the panic button? All right, we're six games in, like twenty uh, games in. 14 more games is that I'm trying to think that's what I was going to, I was going to say that's what about mid February ish. Uh, well, let me go look here. I, I think that actually puts it towards the end of February, 14 games. Oh yeah. Cause February is that weird. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay. Yeah. Wednesday, February 24th will be 14 games from now. So if they, if they still are this bad at the 20-game mark, 
when they after they played the New York Rangers on February 24th, I will I will be ser- that that hit the panic button because 20 games in, you have 36 games left. You would have to go almost on a 25 five and one run to make the playoffs or have a good chance, which I mean, I think that team's very capable of doing that, but if they're struggling 20 games in, I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm like close to where you're at. I mean, I would be a little sooner just because, I mean, at that point it's do or die and you kind of, you know, it's like almost too late. So, I would go probably then I if you're 20 games I'd probably be about 17 15 or so games in. Yeah, that I think that's fair. You know, like like mid mid February yeah. mid to February like, 11 February 13th. Second, yeah, like second week, yeah, second week of February if it's still like this that's when I'm like uh-oh. I agree. But I agree. I'm not there yet. Yeah, I'm not there yet. Uh uh if they struggle if they lose the next two games against New Jersey, I'll probably bump my uh, panic meter to a four. And that and that's reasonable. I mean, like like I said, Nico's not playing. They're a better team than the Devils, um, so it, it it would cause you know it would cause me to be a little concerned if they couldn't beat them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess any last thoughts before we wrap up now? Um. No, I think I think I'm good. What about you? Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm pretty good. So uh I guess we'll wrap it up then. So thank you everybody for listening to the Cheese Sticks and the Seven Hundred Level Podcast. Thanks again to Jovan for joining. We enjoyed having him. We'll have him back soon. Uh and yeah, make sure to enjoy uh the rest of your week. Uh enjoy next weekend. Enjoy the Sixers, the Flyers as much as you can. And we'll soon be talking about baseball much more. We have uh a guest lined up to come on and talk Phillies next month. So looking forward to that as well. And uh, yeah, so thanks again for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll hit you up real soon with more episodes. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at in the 700 level. And you could also like us on Facebook, uh, simply cheese steaks in the 700 level uh, there as well. So thanks again and have a good one. <laughs>